Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Drop your shoulders. Take a breath. Tune into how you feel. Because it's time to stretch. Hi, it's Sinead and you're listening to Stretch Marks, kindly supported by Vitabiotics. You have a supplement range to support us throughout every stretch of family life. And this was a really, really, really highly requested episode. For many figuring out toddler behaviour, tantrums, how to positively discipline can all feel like a whole new parenting stretch. So I asked Dr. Claire Conlon, senior clinical psychologist, to join me and to answer your questions. Claire is a mum to three energetic and loving boys who have thought her a great deal about child development and parenting and the all-important parental self-care. She holds a doctorate in clinical psychology from Trinity College Dublin and has founded the Caterpillar Clinic to support parents and children as she understands the pressures we face today without judgment and knows that for us to flow through these behavioural stretches, we must also look at how we ourselves feel and react. There's so much reassurance here with practical advice that you can start implementing today as she answers our listener questions that you asked over on our Instagram at Stretchmarks Podcast. Dr. Claire Conlon, thank you so much for joining me on Stretch Marks Podcast. And thank you as well for all of the support that you've given this show since day one. You were one of our champions, I remember, on that very first day that the first episode went out and sharing your stories around why what we were talking about was genuinely Mm -hmm. relevant and helpful. Yeah, it was brilliant to see. Oh, and it was brilliant. And like I used to, I know I was saying this before we came on, but like, you know, on a Wednesday, I used to really enjoy the Stretch Mark podcast. Um, and, you know, really everything you were saying was just so relevant to every single parent um, because it was just such normal things that all of us experience all the time. So um, obviously as a parent myself, uh, I just thought it was fantastic. And even as a professional, I thought it was great the way you were just articulating some of those things because it allowed us to kind of open that conversation. So it was brilliant to have that. So well done. Thank you. And I always really wanted to make it, as you said, very normal. Like Mm -hmm. obviously there are extremes that we can all experience, but most of the time there are just those normal parts of life that are stretching us that we have to expand to figure out um, that can feel very challenging at the time. And one of the greatest pieces of sort of support and reassurance that I've ever had was just simply knowing that like, oh God, this is normal. We're supposed to be feeling this way instead of feeling like we're getting it wrong all the time. Yeah. But it's such a common like theme at the moment. Like obviously I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm also a parent who has lots of friends who are parents. And 
every day I'm just hearing people questioning themselves are they, are we getting it wrong um, what am I doing am I damaging my children um, and the reality is we're, we're all a human we have points in time where we're absolutely acing it we can high five you know ourselves before we go to bed at night and days where we can kind of go that wasn't my best performance because of lots of things that are going on for us or lots of things that are going on for our child or things that are going on around us in our environment and all of that is just part of life and I guess what you know, kind of pulls those parents who are doing the best possible job apart from those who maybe aren't kind of really reflecting on those things. And I don't know many parents who aren't reflecting on, on these things um, day in, day out, is parents who on those really tricky days kind of sit back and say to themselves, like, what is really difficult about today? What was really, really hard about today? And is there anything I can do to make tomorrow a little bit easier for me or my child or my family? Um, and that's what makes that sort of like good parents there's no perfect parent that doesn't exist but the good parent is is the parent who's just really reflecting on those things um but we're going to get so many things wrong and that's okay because our children need to see that as well because there is no person who gets it right all the time and if we can demonstrate to our children how we kind of manage those moments where we're not getting it perfect then that's a great learning experience for them in life touching on what you said at the start there about how we are all uh maybe being too negative on ourselves too hard on ourselves doubting ourselves constantly inquiring yeah. as to like how am I getting this wrong instead of maybe looking and seeing on how am I getting this right as a clinical psychologist why do you think we are wired like that why do you think we're wired in terms of the comparison or in terms or, of like the questioning ourselves all the time why are we wired like that or maybe we're not wired like that why do you think right now this generation of parents are so consumed maybe by that yeah, I think it's definitely something that's a little bit more um, of a challenge for us in this day and age than it maybe would have been in the past. Um, and I think social media is absolutely fantastic. It gets the message out there to help people in lots of ways, but there's also the comparison angle as well. Um, and I think that's very, very hard. Like there's, there's lots of different scenarios that you might paint on different social media platforms where various experts are maybe trying to kind of portray this way of being and actually criticizing other types of ways of managing different um, things that you might come up against as a parent. And I know myself as a clinical psychologist with lots of knowledge, I'm sometimes on these social media platforms kind of going, oh God, I think I might have done that when I was, you know, with my kid. And, you know, let me just check, is that okay? Is that not okay? And then I have to stop myself and go, Claire, like, you, you know that's okay, you know, that's what you had to do in that moment, um, you were, you know, doing the very best you could in that particular point in time, but it's so hard to not fall into that comparison, and I guess the access we have to social media at the moment, and the, the just kind of like speed at which we're ingesting information that could be completely conflicting, um, you know, one, one sort of um, little video post that might sort of explain how to act in a certain way, and then the next one could be the complete opposite, and they could actually slate each other where do you sit 
as a parent um, I myself went on Instagram probably for about a year and a half and uh, one of the very first posts I put up was you know we need to throw away all this um, expert in quotation mark knowledge and go with the gut and I think that's what probably our our parents and maybe our parents parents were possibly a little bit more used to doing because they didn't have like even you think about the the concerns you might have about like a medical thing you're straight on to google like what what is this what is you know x y and z that i'm seeing and google will throw up a few answers and that might ease your mind or it might make you kind of go straight to the emergency department our parents and our parents parents probably had to do a little bit more of going with their gut on that and same for like various different strategies and um, that they're using to help their child to sleep or around kind of weaning or behavioral um, challenges that they might see whereas now there's all these different things are you doing this are you following this person um and it can lead to an awful lot of anxiety because what if you're not what if you don't even know who that person is what does that mean um, and I think people are constantly questioning themselves as a parent then because of all this information that's out there and they forget to just check in with themselves and the child in front of them and tune into what might be needed in this moment and the parent is the only person who knows that at that time and I think that's something that a lot of people just find it hard to tune into nowadays with all the stuff that's that's out there Coughs and colds are a normal part of growing up, but there is nothing that knocks down the house of cards quite like when our kids get sick. I want to drop everything to be with them, but then the juggle and the guilt and the worry and the sleeplessness begins to stretch me until I fray. The relentless kids book stretch is one I think we all know and probably have the marks to prove it. So my goal is to keep them as well as I possibly can so that as a family we can continue to do as much as we possibly can. The award-winning WellKid is a carefully balanced range with nutritional support from toddler to tweens as it is packed with 24 essential vitamins in tasty natural fruit flavours. WellKid helps you give your family the extra nutritional and immune system support they need with all 8 B-complex vitamins plus A, C, D and E. There is also WellKid Omega-3 plus an individual vitamin D supplement. Available in liquid, chewable, pastilles or gummies, this range supports all our fussy eaters and busy adventurers. With 50 years of innovation in nutritional science, Phytobiotics has been pushing boundaries to help our families feel at their very best. With products to suit all stages from preconception, pregnancy, postpartum and family life, including pregnant care, well kid, well woman and well man, Phytobiotics have created an award-winning range to suit every stretch of family life. Phytobiotics want to look after you through their supplemental range and by supporting this season of stretch marks. Food supplements must not replace a varied and balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle and you should always consult your doctor or pharmacist before using. It's difficult when looking at your child you are their only source of validation you're only the source of information of security of safety like you're it to them you know yeah they don't know that you were in bed last night for two hours scrolling all the ways for you to be you <laughs> and being influenced by this is how I should do it or that's how I should do it or this is what I should feel guilty about or I can't believe I screamed today I can't believe I was human in front of my child today yeah um and it's almost like instead of that real relationship being able to be formed, we're constantly scraping a layer of ourselves away 
And then by the time that we are now present in front of our child, we're probably confused ourselves even as to who we are and what we're here to do. Yeah. But I mean, even you saying that, I, I kind of get a feeling of like overwhelm or exhaustion. It's like you're constantly trying to question what you've done. Did you get it right? What I should be doing. And when we're doing that over time um, and constantly, it's just exhausting. Um, rather than just kind of like letting the mind settle and the body settle and go to sleep so that we're as well re- as rested as we can be for the day ahead. Um thinking and overthinking about everything to do with our parenting choices um you know it's it's a it's a tiring place to be and a lot of people I guess in the sessions that I'd have with parents and people that might come to me for consults and things like that we would talk a little bit about that um about the overwhelm and the anxiety that they're feeling as a parent because of just this confusion of how am I supposed to be um and I think what's interesting is you know how you're supposed to be with your child can be very different to how you're supposed to be with their sibling you know it might differ and it's should differ because we're all human beings and we might present in various ways with whatever's going on for us you might have a child who's a little bit more withdrawn a child who's quite sort of um, energetic and um, more extroverted in in their presentations and how we might be with them might be a little bit different but that's down to you kind of tuning into that child and tuning into yourself and one of the things that I spent an awful long time speaking to parents about in the early days of any kind of work around helping children with behavior is tuning into yourself as a parent and tuning into yourself as a child um, and just trying to manage that dynamic between you and them because um, if you can get that then you're absolutely already onto a winner just tuning into kind of Oh, I see it myself entirely, like uh, nine times out of 10, when things escalate in family life here, behavior wise, you know, like yeah. if, if you feel like my child is doing something, being bold, like I know, are we even allowed to say being bold? Is that a thing that's cancelled these days? But if your child <laughs> is doing something you'd rather that they didn't do. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, it's because I'm not able for it right now. I have a deadline or I have to make that phone call or I've forgotten something and I feel really ashamed about having forgotten it or I'm trying to be productive and get something done because I have responsibilities that they obviously don't care about and, you know, we're late for something or it's something to do with me having to show up perfectly in my life for my adult responsibilities and my child is somehow being a child but interrupting that flow for me and instead of me recognizing oh that's them just being two like that's what that's what two is yeah I'm like oh why can't you just be x y and z which will help me move forward with my day with my responsibilities with my pressures yeah. And and then at night you lie in bed and you're like, it's not their fault. It's not their responsibility to mm-hmm. help me adult through life. It's my responsibility sure. to help them be a child through life. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think a few of the things you said there are exactly it. Like, you know, there being two and two is a place of complete dysregulation. You know, we're not able to regulate <laughs> our emotions at two. And, you know, if if you give me the red cup and not the yellow cup, that is emotionally dysregulating to me. And I am going to express that in whatever way I can, because the part of my brain that really helps me to just kind of, you know, control my emotions in a more sort of adult way. And there's plenty of adults who, who don't even have a lot of ability around regulating emotions um you know I'm going to display that um and as a parent it can be so hard to be that patient calm present individual 24 7 there's going to be times where you're going to be rolling your eyes you're going to be like oh my goodness me just take the red cup like what's the problem um but you know we once we understand child development and we understand ourselves even in that moment where you just want to tell them to take the red cup if you can pause and just say you know what I have a deadline today I am stressed but if I pause and say that to myself, then I'm likely going to be able to catch myself before I do something that I'll then be lying awake at night feeling guilty over in terms of maybe shouting or not kind of responding in the most helpful way. Um, but, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about just sort of tuning into where we're at and also tuning into the child. It feels devastating for the child in that moment because they just want to articulate what's going on for them. And a two year old is, is going to find it hard to articulate that in the same way an adult would obviously um, and it's not till much later that they really get those really good skills around um, being able to regulate their emotions so if we can understand that then it really helps us to just kind of be that parent that they need us to be in that moment yeah. so uh, sometimes I can feel very like okay I've read the book I know what I'm supposed to do but I don't know how to often in that moment be it yeah and I think that's exactly it. We all have had an experience of being parented. It's really good to reflect on that as well, because sometimes what you might find is you might want to go the total other end of the scale to maybe what you were raised. So you might, let's say, if you had an example of someone who was quite strict in their um, role of, of being a parent and you were the child in that situation, you might go the total other end of that to try and compensate for how hard you felt that as a, a child, that situation. And um, so what you might do is you might be the real soft parent. You might say, I'm never going to kind of be strict and boundaries might be quite hard for you to kind of put in place as that parent because you find it so hard to have anything that even closely aligns with that kind of strict um, parenting um, and that can be really really challenging as well because as children we can like children need a lot of boundaries in place and um, and put in place in a really loving way. Like we can be so supportive and help them through emotions and any emotional dysregulation that they experience, but also have boundaries and stick to our boundaries. You know, things like, you know, I know you really want to go outside right now, or I know you really want this particular chocolate bar at the checkout right now, but um, I know it's really hard for you, but we just can't have that. You know, so you're really softly and gently helping them with their emotion but you're also keeping that boundary in place but some parents because of the journey they've been on as a child um find it maybe tricky to kind of have certain things in place because they want to be as far away as they possibly can from from those memories that they've had as a child and I think that's worth exploring if that's um you know I guess your your kind of journey because we want to be aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it and making sure that we're sort of um doing it for the right reasons 
And that's something that a lot of people might go to kind of, you know, someone to one support, get someone to one support around as well, is just to help them to reflect on that a little bit more. So how we parent is often down to how we were parented. Yeah. And I mean, there's lots of things that you might take from that that are really, really good. You might have lovely memories um, and you might go, well, that's great. I love the ways of family. We used to do this. I want to do that. Um, but, you know, not everyone has had that nice experience and that can certainly come into your role then of parenting now. And I guess just being aware of that and reflecting on that can help you an awful lot as a parent. Um, but, you know, in general, like, like you were saying, we didn't have uh, all the access that we have now back in the day. So we have so much more knowledge around helping children with emotions now than we did back in the past. And you might have some people kind of saying, you know, who were maybe parented or were parenting in that generation, they might kind of go, oh, would you just get on with it? Or you're being too soft or you're being too gentle. But the reality is like, if we can support children through their emotions now, it's absolutely brilliant for their development. They get that support, they get that um, person in their lives that helps them to regulate. And then we can sort of carry on with the rest of the day, you know, um, which, uh, you know which, which is brilliant if that's something that you can do for them as, as that calm, present adult in, in their lives. I think for a lot of people, it's that balance between being the boundary holder and the gatekeeper and letting them be aware that like there are certain rules that we just have to live life by you know yeah. like our our role in life is of course to love them to keep them safe but also to prepare them for yeah. the reality of what's to come which is like you can't just demand yeah. what you want all the time every time and and, and yeah. get it so it's the balance between and, and, I, and I saw this in the questions that I put up I mean I think one of the the, the most frequently um, asked, certainly like theme was like, how, how, how can I not fuck them up? Like I'm trying my best. I need to give out to them if they're doing something wrong or if they're doing mm -hmm. something unsafe or they're doing something harmful to a sibling, to a friend. I have to, I have to be strict you know, there are, yeah. how am I supposed to get this balance of, no, I'm supposed to be this gentle parent and this considerate parent and meeting their needs and meeting them where they're at and all of these wonderful, lovely things. When the reality is like, if your child is bolting across the road every time you're out, yeah. for instance, yeah. and you're like coming, you're like, I have to, I have to put an end to this. Yeah. Something is happening that is, you know, dangerous and I have to be the bad guy here. And then you're like, can I be the bad guy? Is the bad guy allowed these days? <laughs> How am I not fucking them up? I remember just reading a post by somebody um, who basically just slated a, a certain way of um, kind of managing a particular type. I don't really want to, to go into what it is because that mm. might kind of make people think about it. But um, yeah, she was slating a way of kind of um, managing a certain situation with a child, which is something that maybe would, we would have done um, quite a lot of and parents will still do all the time. Um, and the comments were just of horrified parents just kind of going, oh, you know, I shouted at my child once does that mean I've really damaged them and the reality is is you have provided a loving um, environment for a child if you're like attending to their needs as best you can you know 
most of the time, there's going to be times where you do have to stop them crossing a road and um, where maybe you might shout at them in that situation because you have activated your stress response system out of fear for their safety. You see something coming down the line, you want to stop it, you shout, you shout naturally because there's a risk of someone harming themselves in the situation. Um, you know, if you're there for them most of the time, if you're tuning into them, if you're reading them stories, if you're cuddling them, if you love them, you know, they're the things that help children grow up to healthy, you know, well-adjusted adults. And um, if you lose it some of the time and you apologize afterwards, I think that's the main thing. If you say, oh, I didn't really handle that very well earlier. Can we talk about that? Maybe to a child who's a little bit older or to a younger child, you can even say to them, you know, Mommy just was a little bit um, uh, angry a few minutes ago um, because of X, Y and Z. And I'm sorry, that's not your fault. Um, I'm sorry that I did this. Or sorry that I shouted or sorry that I you know, told you I needed a minute or whatever it was. Um, they're all lovely teaching moments for children because it shows them that anger is anger's OK. Maybe our behavior is in anger are things we might need to apologize for, especially for maybe shouting or doing things like that. That helps a child to understand how to manage emotions themselves and that there might be times that I need to take myself away and just take a little breath to just regulate myself is another lovely teaching moment. And if we can do all that, then we're doing so much for our childs to help them know that they're loved, to understand emotions, to teach them about emotions and help them to kind of grow up to that well-adjusted adult that we're hoping that they will become. Now, I'm winging it like the next person, but I, I have taken that message on board in the last few years um, of, of seeing an opportunity where I have shown real human emotion as an opportunity to teach them that it is okay to show real human yeah. emotion, but that there are kind of consequences of it. Like you, yeah. you teaching them that this is how you apologize. This is how you bring yourself back down. This is how you can come back yeah. to a person at a later point and say, I'd like to talk about that now, instead yeah. of just like suppress, 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 suppress. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It still it still plays, I think, on all of our minds. But how do we yeah. and this was another theme that came out loud and clear from the polls, um, which I'll go through in a moment. But around that, how do how do I manage me? How do I manage me in this yeah. situation? And I'm learning so much. Well, sorry, not I'm not learning, I'm being maybe bombarded so much mm. around parent this way do this for your child 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 and you're like yeah I'm um, I'm still learning how I'm supposed to regulate yeah. me I know I'm yeah. you know a grown adult but guess what I wasn't while we were sitting in school being thought about the yeah. rivers in Ireland nobody was telling me how do I no. manage the fact that no. I haven't slept in three years and yeah. I'm immensely financially you know stretched yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, no one's coming to help how how do we realistically support our own nervous systems so that we yeah. can be a stable and safe place for our children? Yeah, 
I think it's something that is so important to do. Like we we can have those lovely teaching moments with our children where maybe we're not the best versions of ourselves and we kind of apologize afterwards. But if it's happening all the time, then we got to sit down and we got to ask ourselves what is going on for us. Because if it's a if it's a situation where we're kind of prone to getting angry all the time, then that's a little bit different to having those moments every now and again where we kind of feel like, okay, we're totally stretched today. I know what today is about. Um, it'll be better tomorrow anyway because all these things that are causing me to feel a little bit more stressed, they're they're finished now, or whatever that might might be. But if it's something that's happening over the time, we really have to ask ourselves what is causing that dysregulation in us as an adult. So um, I describe it to parents all the time. Um, you know, in I do like an online program for parents around this kind of thing. And one of the things we spend a lot of a lot of time talking about in the first kind of session or two is really thinking about parents' capacity on a daily basis. How stretched are we? And what is leading to those kind of moments where we're feeling overwhelmed? So the way I describe it to them is you have only so much space in your body for stuff to be in there. So imagine it's like a cup and it could be a very large cup. Um, at some point, when you keep putting stuff into it all the time, it'll start to overflow. And those overflow moments are the moments where your child is asking you for something. Maybe they're getting frustrated. Maybe they're stamping. Maybe they're crying. Um, and that can send us into a place where we're just holding it together to a point where we're now overwhelmed. And there are certain um, individuals, certain human beings that have a stress response system that's maybe a little bit more prone to being triggered than somebody else's. Maybe they might have a more sensitive nervous system. So even noise during the day or kind of a lot of demands during the day might kind of make that person's cup fill up a little bit quicker than somebody who isn't as affected by noise and sounds and smells and you know demands so our nervous system we come into the world some of us might have a more sensitive one and some of us might have one that just takes a little bit longer for that to get to the same place as someone whose nervous system is a bit more sensitive so if it's a case that you're having those moments on a daily basis where you're feeling that cup is overflowing then you got to ask yourself what's inside that cup is there stuff that you can take out? Sometimes when people come to me, we might talk a little bit about early stuff. Maybe it's like to do with relationships. Maybe it's to do with work, the demands that people are under. We look at what's in there and we take out maybe whole big chunks of stuff. Maybe you get a cup and you chuck half of it out just by talking about one particular thing. Or maybe there's lots of little things. But even focusing on the little things like sleep or diet or exercise, time for self-care, you know, self-care is a little bit more than just getting your shower and getting your food into you. And even exercise, it's taking time out for you to do stuff that you take lots of pleasure in and that releases some of that tension in your body. So like I myself would notice when I'm a little bit more kind of frustrated or prone to kind of frustration with the kids, I got it. I sit down and I go, what, what's missing? Is, is work too busy? Has it been full on? Am I not doing the things that I love to do and um, that help me feel more regulated? Is my nervous system getting a little bit more stimulated? So if it is the case that your nervous system is a little bit more stimulated, even after busy days, even thinking of those things that we do for our children, 
when they're feeling dysregulated, we might scoop an infant up and swaddle it in a blanket and give it like a bottle or a breast, you know, in terms of um, their feeding. So similar things, you know, can be helpful for adults in terms of wrapping them in a blanket on the couch, giving them a warm drink, giving them hugs and comfort, um, even just kind of turning down the sounds, dimming the lights, things like that can help reset our nervous system so that the next day it's feeling a little bit more restored. And I think that's an important thing to ask yourself as a parent if it's a case that on a daily basis those behavioral things are becoming really difficult to manage just checking in and seeing where the basics are sleep diet exercise and then on top of that where's the time for you your relationship how is work going all those different kind of things are really important because it helps provide you with the information you need to help you feel a lot more regulated like if we have a capacity of one to 10 and we already start our day at nine, yeah. no matter what our children do that day, it's just going to tip us over. No, or anybody like, you know, something that seems absolutely like, you know, minimal, like you, you go to have a shower and you just ran out of your favorite shampoo and next thing you're sobbing on, on the floor of the shower. And, you know, it's not about the, the shampoo at all. It's about the day and it's about how you feel in that moment. But that's information the same way our children give us information with the behavior that they're displaying. We give ourselves information all the time with the behavior that we're demonstrating. You know, if it's a case that we're avoiding things, we're not going out with people or we're kind of feeling like our sleep is disturbed that's all information for us to just pay attention to because it's telling us something about our underlying needs that aren't being met and it's the same for our child if they're having a week where they're stamping on the ground and they're everything is hard and everything is a challenge it's about stepping back and reflecting a little bit and playing the part of detective where you kind of say I'm just going to try and figure out what's going on Um, and for kids it can be tricky because um, sometimes it could be medical stuff they might have been unwell with a virus three weeks ago but they haven't kicked it yet Um, and symptomatically they're fine you know they don't have a whole lot of symptoms going on that tell us they're still unwell but they might just be feeling really lethargic underneath it all Um, things like that can be hard to kind of figure out but when we tune into them then we get to understand a little bit more about what's going on for them and I think it's it's a matter of spending the time doing that which can be tricky when when you're parenting and you have all the other demands going on. One of the areas in the polls that we dove into was around tantrums because it is something that you in clinic or in your workshops talk a lot to parents about and how we mm-hmm. can best manage them. I asked specifically like what age do tantrums kick in because I think the terrible twos gets a bit of a bad rap. Yeah. And I think some people expect, oh, no, they're they're, on their second birthday till their third birthday. That is the zone with which tantrums can occur. And of course, that is not what happens. And from the polls, 21 percent said that it was under 18 months that those tantrums kicked in. 52 percent from 18 to 24 months. So in the second half of the child's first year, 52 percent said that that's when the tantrums kicked in. 21 percent from two to three and six percent from three above. So I think, again, it's about adjusting our expectations to this kind of narrative that we are often sold around when children are to reach certain milestones. No one has your child. And if your child has a as a way to communicate what it is that they want early on it'll come out and if they don't have the verbal language it'll come out as a tantrum 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the same for, I guess, everybody. You know, we have adults who are showing complete dysregulation um, at various times when they're not really able to articulate what's going on for them. But in the first few years of life, there is so much happening in a child's and an infant's brain that um, it's just it's so hard for them to keep it all together. You have, you know, motor milestones, you have, you know, language milestones, you have maybe they're starting preschool, maybe they're in crash environments, maybe they're starting school. So those older kids, um, it's such a big adjustment to go into the school system. Um, and that can be overwhelming. You have children who are sitting still all day listening, you know, and I know there's lots of, um, schools and teachers that are amazing at getting those kids up and moving but there's still um a kind of a, a, a responsibility on or a, a need for the children to sit down and to pay attention a lot more than they were used to in a more play-based learning environment so that's really really hard and those children might come home and have what we call the after-school collapse which is basically they've been holding it together all day they fall into the arms of the person they feel safest with which could be their one of their parents or their caregivers and they just fall apart um, and it's the same for children who are younger those infants who are crying they're dysregulated that's that's their form of a tantrum. They're trying to kind of um, articulate to you as a parent that I need something. You know, it might be food, it might be warmth, my teeth are at me, whatever it might be that's going on. So at any stage, um, the tantrum might kick in. And that's basically a period of dysregulation or a moment of dysregulation where a child is trying to say to you, something is a little bit bigger than I'm able to manage in this moment. And I need you to help me with this. Um, and sometimes we can help them very, very quickly. It's the most minor of kind of um, support that we need to give them. And sometimes it's a little bit bigger, but there is so much going on. Like I have um, a, a six-year-old, a four-year-old and an 18-month-old. And even when you're saying about the 18-month-old, absolutely, you know, the terrible twos. And I remember um, his brothers were the same. The terrible twos for us just seemed to start like as soon as the kid was nearly kind of mobile. Um, and it makes sense because they're trying to kind of get the sense of independence but they also really, really need you. And that's a really hard place to be. It's like, I want to run over onto that street over there, but there's cars coming down and I'm a little bit scared by those two, but I don't really see them. So I need you as the parent to keep me safe while I explore this world. Um, but I also want to be as independent as I can. And sometimes I want to be both. Sometimes I want to be independent and I want to be up in your arms while being independent. So there's so much going on in a child's life. And it's also very hard for them to articulate what it is that they want to do because language is slowly emerging. They maybe have a few sounds to begin with, then they might have some words, then they might know exactly what they want, but they just can't string the sentence together and you're not getting there quick enough. So that's annoying and that's frustrating for them. So there's so much going on with their brains trying to kind of keep up with what it is that they want to do and their body wants them to do. So it's a time that at any stage in those first kind of five years really would be a lot of, um, there's an awful lot of development going on in the first five years you're bound to at any stage see moments where you feel like the child is is kind of tantruming a lot or what I like to describe as just having periods of dysregulation an awful lot and they can be more extreme so 42 percent yeah. agreed that they were more extreme than expected I yeah. think the extreme ones can be concerning you feel as a parent is this a red flag um, yeah. or, or is my child again I'm going to use that phrase falling into like a bold category where it's like oh my god I'm going to have real problems with behavior when it comes to this child yeah. or how yeah. why do we see tantrums as 
like a real negative sign and a, mm. a thing that parents take on as something that needs to be like completely eradicated or should yeah. we observe them and say no this is a child that's just trying to communicate yeah they are just trying to communicate and it's very natural that they would have those um ways of communication those like little periods of dysregulation like it's very very normal for that to happen what can happen though is because it's kind of like a threatening situation for a parent because our fear system might be activated in that moment we start to go oh you know what is this maybe you start to go can I control this can I manage this and this might happen in the comfort of your own home where maybe you feel a little bit more confident managing that you might it might happen to you with Mary, the nosy neighbor, who's who's always kind of looking at you um, and she's there when this is happening. And then that fear system might be activated even more. So if people are around you and you have that feeling of being judged or a feeling where maybe I don't have this under control, maybe it happens at a baby group and you're kind of, again, that comparison with you and everybody else, you feel like, well, everybody else's child seems to be able to behave themselves. And that could be one time that happens, but it's enough to sort of activate the fear system and that sense of judgment in yourself of your ability to cope with this situation and it's back to the whole um, parental capacity and the parental self-care piece because if we're already sort of teetering on the edge a little bit we're already quite full that could be the thing that is dropped into that cup to make it start to feel like it's overflowing oh my goodness me I don't have this together I thought I did but I don't and then your anxiety might kick in that might kick into you feeling a little bit of um your mood dipping a little bit as well so you know, kids are going to have those moments where they're tantruming. Um, but sometimes how we perceive them, depending on what's going on, can be the thing that makes you worried about them in that moment. And then there are children who are just a little bit more sensitive as well. Their nervous system um, in terms of their temperament and how they were brought into the world, like it might just mean that they have a nervous system that's a little bit more sensitive. And maybe there are a few challenges compared to even their siblings or other children the same age. So we might have to work just a little bit harder um, as a parent to keep them regulated but it doesn't mean we can't do it you know it's definitely possible one question I asked was do you feel confident supporting your child while tantrums are occurring and I, I have a sliding scale of personal experience on this but one of the things yeah. sometimes I feel is like like you said on those days where you are trying your absolute best to hold everything together when you yeah. are being stretched in all directions mm -hmm. of life and then the tantrum occurs I sometimes take it personally yeah. it's like does nobody see how much I'm trying my yeah. absolute best yeah and nothing is good enough it's like I gave yeah. you the red cup and you wanted the blue cup nothing is good enough and, yeah. and and I have to look at myself and be like why why am I feeling like that? And that goes back to a sense of internal programming in me of like yeah. nothing I do is good enough and the good enough yeah, parent yeah. piece has to sort of come out. And yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but it is, it's like we kind of, I feel like the chapter was missing in the book that says when you're going through it, ask yourself how you're feeling and yeah why are you feeling that and why is it making you feel that and then yeah. go to into the steps with which you can kind of support your child through it yeah 
Yeah. And if we can do that, that's brilliant. Like there's days I feel like I might be out and about. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm the psychologist there. There's a psychologist there who can't control her children. And she <laughs> does she have those programs there on managing behavior? Oh, and she can't manage it. You know, you absolutely have those thoughts that come in. And there's going to be days where it is going to be harder because maybe your child is going through something that does mean that their dysregulation is more extreme than it was yesterday. And maybe it's totally taken you by surprise because it's maybe out of the blue. Um, and it can be really, really challenging. And absolutely everybody, like I put up a post a little while ago about um, Kate Middleton when I can't remember what situation she was in, but with um, little Louis and, you know, the world is watching her while, while yeah. he was sort of playing out, just boredom, not being able to kind of sit down and pay attention. At the Jubilee concert. That was it. I think it was. Yeah. Um, Everybody has those moments where, you know, the world feels like it's watching and you're there trying to kind of manage um, your children and looking like you're managing it confidently. But it doesn't always feel like you're managing it confidently in that moment. And there will be days because of what's going on for you or what might be going on for your child, that it is much harder. Um, and if you already have those little thoughts that might be in the back of your mind about you not being able to cope or you're not doing a good job, they'll be activated in those moments. And then the fear system goes up then as well, because it's like, oh, this is this thought I had. And, and now this is confirming that thought, because look, here's a situation where you actually can't cope. Um, but if we can kind of, I guess, understand them for what they are, and that is just a thought and not a fact, mm. then we can begin to help ourselves regulate even when those thoughts come up, when those thoughts come up. So saying to yourself, I notice I'm having the thought that I'm not able to cope. And even recognizing that is enough to just take a little bit of power away from that thought and to help you feel a little bit more regulated in that moment. And then you can make decisions kind of in a more sort of controlled and um, thought out manner rather than kind of going with the kind of fear that might be underneath that. The responses to that one on the do you feel confident supporting your child? 11% said yes, I can coach them through it, Brilliant, um, yeah. which is a low enough number. 33% yes, if it's mild and I'm not already frazzled. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's such a key part of it. Absolutely. And 47 falling into this group that are just afraid we're getting it wrong. It's, I try, but yeah. I don't know if I'm getting it right. Yeah. And it maybe feeds into what we were talking about earlier on is just the fear of like, you know, I guess it's back to this kind of perfect parent idea that every single time I'm faced with something that I'm going to ace it. Yeah. Um, and if I don't, then I'm getting it wrong. And what does getting it wrong mean? It's drastic, you know, um, impact on my child's development or my child's relationship with me. So if you have those thoughts that come up in that moment, you're already probably feeling a little bit dysregulated yourself because your child's dysregulated. So you're picking up on that. So your stress response system is activated. And then you throw in those thoughts on top of that, then that's incredibly challenging. Now you have a stress response system in the parent that's totally activated as well as in the child. And then there isn't that kind of um, lovely sort of calm presence um, to help the child feel regulated. So a key part of that is a parent just being able to tune into themselves and even like just putting your hand on your chest and saying to yourself, you know, taking a big deep breath in while you do it like this. This is hard. This is a hard moment like that little 
reflection or that little pause I mentioned a few moments ago by saying I notice I'm having the thought that those little things can stop us in our tracks and stop that kind of dysregulation going from like a seven or eight all the way to a 10 to overflowing um, and I think that's something that if we can get into the habit of doing that will really help us manage in the moment that we need it. Because if you are one of the people who does feel really stretched when your child has become emotionally dysregulated, you are part of the 99% of responses. 1% yeah. of the responses. And I got so many messages afterwards to say, hit the wrong one. But 1% say that when their child becomes emotionally dysregulated, they don't feel that their composure is stretched. 99% that yeah. they themselves are feeling stretched. Yeah. To different yeah. degrees, 71% said yes, often 28% yes, sometimes, but yeah. for 99% of us, it happens. Yeah. And again, that's that's a pretty normal, like I'm not surprised by that because um, you are picking up on somebody else's dysregulation and your body is kind of mirroring that a little bit and science would kind of back up that. Um, so you're bound to feel a little bit of your child's distress. So um, depending on what's already there in that kind of capacity that we talked about, you're either going to be completely overwhelmed and incredibly dysregulated or just mildly so. So I guess the trick here is for parents to figure out what's already going on for them and parental self-care time and time again, like I've run parenting groups for too long, many more years than I, I can remember. And the thing that makes the difference is parents going, you know what, I feel like I know what I need to help my children. And that's children with, you know, mild, very typical um, periods of dysregulation to children who do have like neurodevelopmental conditions that really have some extreme kind of behavioral um, dysregulation because of just various things that might be going on for them as part of a diagnosis or something that they have. So in all situations, the parent is key here in feeling like they get a handle on this behavior. It's not that the child is necessarily changing their behavior. It's that the parent goes, doesn't matter what they throw at me um, or what's going on for them. I really feel like I'm confident in managing that and helping them to feel more regulated. A couple of the questions that came in as well to us while I had you here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> access, access to... Um, to your field of expertise is challenging for parents. So I was like, yeah. right, I have her, I were locked into this Zoom yeah. recording. I'm going to try and answer yeah. a couple of questions. Now, of course, this has yeah. to come with a caveat that, you know, sure. yeah. you, you can't, you can't answer in depth um, from one yeah. tiny little comment, but how to address in inverted commas, bold behavior and support three-year-old. Again, I feel like we're just so afraid to parent. Yeah. yeah it's where the boundaries piece comes in again like you can be incredibly supportive but still be firm you know and firm does not mean that you're being mean like or or overly strict so you can say to yourself I know it's really hard that you didn't get to do x y and z or you don't get x y and z right now but actually we need to keep our hands to ourselves. we need gentle hands and um, so you can explain to them what's not acceptable behavior 
in the kindest, most supportive of ways. And I think that's where parents kind of feel like, oh, can we can we mention that? Can we kind of say no? Absolutely. You can do those things because you're. it's about making sure that you have those boundaries in place and that a child knows what those boundaries are because they're going to constantly try and push against that. It's the very nature of kind of that, that role of, of trying to become a little bit more independent is they'll push past the boundaries just to see where they go. But to help them feel more confident um, or how we help them feel more confident is show them where the line is. You know, it's okay to, to be annoyed, to be cross. Here's what you can do with that feeling. Come over here and I'll show you. Here's a nice little kind of beanbag. We can sit here together. We can maybe kind of ruffle up the beanbag a little bit with the excess energy we have in our body. But we can't, we can't, we have to have gentle hands with our brother. You know, those kind of things. And you can do that in such a supportive way. That is so lovely. <laughs> I'd be straight into the stop hitting each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's nice. I mean, got, yeah. <laughs> if I could practice what I preach all the time as well, my kids would probably listen to this going, really? Who is this woman? <laughs> Who's that woman? <laughs> Behavior is only one aspect, of course, of what it is that you do in clinic and how you, you know, how parents are concerned yeah. about their children's psychological development. Sure. Anxiety. Um, yeah. We have a question here. Three-year-old girl anxious, overthinking, sitting up in bed before going to sleep, but won't tell us what's bothering her. Yeah, yeah. I think, again, it might just be about um, maybe trying to tune in to what's going on for her. Sometimes it's not asking her the questions. She might even not know what's going on for her. So a three-year-old might not be overly aware of what's causing her anxiety. She just knows that maybe she feels a little bit out of sorts. So sometimes even just connecting with her and um, helping her through play, just spending a little bit more time with her maybe not having those big discussions about anxiety can help just settle herself a little bit and um, like one of the things I did when I set up the Caliphate Clinic was try and make psychology more accessible um, and I have a, a whole program on how to help children to conquer anxiety and it's parenting program so something like that could be useful because it's just something that they can access you know immediately it's an on-demand program and um, so I think that'd be useful is just trying to figure out little tricks and but a big part of it is around connection with them sometimes if we're getting into the back and forth of why you're feeling anxious especially with a three-year-old they won't really have the language to tell you what's going on for them from um, an anxiety point of view I mean if you think of us I mean often I have experiences of emotions and I don't even acknowledge the root of them yeah it could be completely course, different yeah. I'm just plucking at a straw of like oh this thing happened today but maybe that's yeah. not actually the source of it at all no, of course. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, for her, it's probably that, that her stress response system is feeling quite activated. So she might feel that in her tummy. She might feel it in her body. And if we're connecting, if we're laughing, if we're playing, all of that will bring all of that stress right down. It'll help regulate that little body. And that might be enough for her to just feel a little bit more confident. But there's, um, you know, there's so much. I don't know the ins and outs of what else might be going on for her. So um, it'd be worth them maybe looking. I mean, I, I think the, the best thing to do, the first step would be maybe to seek a little bit of advice just even on the um the program would help kind of clarify what might be going on for her one that caught my eye um that was quite unique to a lot of the others um was yeah. head head banging 19 month old who does yeah. it on purpose why and how yeah. to manage it 
Yeah, so sometimes when we're dysregulated, we're engaging in behaviours that are really trying to kind of communicate something to somebody. And some behaviours are incredibly effective at communicating because it might mean that people are straight away swooping in to obviously try and keep that child safe. So we would want to really think in depth about what's going on for this child that it's to the point where, where they're having to kind of bang their head a little bit. So it could be a sensory need. Um, sometimes when we're kind of doing lots of like deep pressure banging and things like that, it can help regulate a sensory system. So we would want to think about putting in some other things in place to help that child, even like bean bags, or you might seek some OT support for, for um, this child occupational therapy support to get a sense of their sensory system, but giving them lots of deep pressure things, stuff to squeeze in their hands. Um, basically, when you see that behavior happen, Happening, you might swoop in with alternatives, but also help them to regulate in that moment. If they're at the point where they're head banging, they're probably gone to the point. I mean, you did say he was 19 months as well. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's not going to be in a situation where he's going to be able to communicate with you back and forth what's going on. So it'll be a parent having to sit back and do that detective work where they're trying to see what might be going on in the run up to this behavior, because there's something happening for him that's uh, making him get to the point where he's trying to communicate that something's not quite right. So you just need to figure out what that is. And maybe seek some support from either a psychologist or an OT um, to help understand this a little bit more. Again, lots of these behavioural ones like the, the online programme, how to support children with behaviour would really help kind of um, uh, help parents have a lot more tools to manage this as well. And then finally, which isn't your problem to solve, but just to acknowledge, I suppose, that we do hear that parents are struggling to access supports when it comes yeah. to having their ch- children's mental health sure. assessed. Yeah. Um, knowing what you know and knowing what you do, how and where can parents try and like, what's the route? What's the best method yeah. that you can all take? I'm not going to lie. It's really tough out there at the moment. I work between obviously the private clinic, the Caterpillar Clinic, and I also work in the HSE service. And um, the HSE services are really stretched at the moment. Um, if you have a child that you're worried um, you'd like an assessment, then you can go down the assessment and need route. Um, that's basically an assessment of their needs. So you might get like a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, a psychologist, a physiotherapist. The waiting lists are quite long, but you would get that through your GP. Um, Um, And then if you're worried about kind of supports in terms of just kind of like mild kind of behavioural or maybe low levels of anxiety, you would go to what's called a primary care service. And again, that's through your GP. And if you have more significant behaviours or behaviours that might be the result of maybe some underlying disabilities, you would go to your local, um, they're called Children's Disability Network Teams. And they're kind of new enough teams. And because they're new enough teams, there's a little bit of a backlog and then being able to um, provide supports for families. And I guess all of that is the reason why I set up the Caterpillar Clinic because working part-time in those services, I could see how hard it is. And I was like, how can we just get this message out to people, you know, without them having to battle waiting this? So that's why I have the online programs because people can do them and then they can just ask me questions as they're on the program. And there's little parent forums if they want to, they don't have to get involved in those. So it's kind of like little mini ways of kind of getting those um 
little messages out to as many people as we can. So um, it is hard. Like I'm not going to lie, it's definitely tough out there at the moment. Um, the HSE services, they're just stressed. They're doing everything they can, but it's just staffing levels and everything make it hard for them to get to the people. And there's definitely a lot of anxiety um, referrals at the moment. I think since COVID, it's just been quite a, an anxiety provoking time for lots of people. So um, the services are trying to battle that kind of um, excess kind of waiting list from that time. But as you said, if we have sort of low grade concerns around how as parents we can support our children in the same way that we're supporting them learning how to brush their teeth or ride a bike or, you know, sit down and do their do their spellings like we're supporting them in loads of different ways. Uh, Again, there's a chapter missing in the parenting book on how to support our children in their own emotional regulations. But because of things like the courses that you have set up. There yeah. is access for us, as I said, provided yeah. it is in that kind of lower grade. Obviously, if there is a genuine, yeah. um, you know, real concern, the GP yeah. and getting on those waiting lists is the way to go. Sure. But if there is yeah. just kind of normal every day, I want to know more about this so I can support them a little bit more about that, then then doing yeah. those courses is, is one positive step. Absolutely. And it's even something like I would, there would be lots of parents who do that um, if they have concerns about autism, for example, um, or even more extreme anxiety, because it's it's better to do those than when you're on waiting list for something rather than not do anything at all. Um, so I think it's really like it, it doesn't have to be the lower end to help you kind of or lower end of, of difficulties to um, give you some supports on those programs. It's just something that will help you think a little bit about what's going on and give you some strategies in place to help feel like you're confidently managing behavior or anxiety some stuff like that I think it's really important to to have those skills and in the show notes you can find links to the Caterpillar Clinic and to those courses and 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 ways to access that support from you Claire thank you so much thank you very much for your time thank you yeah I loved it yeah yeah it's great thanks so much for having me it's an absolute privilege and a pleasure Wow, I hope you feel better after that because I do. Thank you, Claire, for your support and guidance. Check out Claire's page at the Caterpillar Clinic on Instagram, where you'll find a ton of free resources to help you or book in to one of our workshops for more in-depth support. I've linked them below. And thank you for listening. As always, please share and tag at Stretch Marks Podcast so I can see your feedback and comments. And I'll talk to you again next week.